Welcome back to The, the Mentors. Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And this is a show where we tell stories about ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs despite having lack of connections, money, or experience. And today on the show, we have Mike and Adam of Throw Me a Bone. I love that name, guys, by the way. It kind of tells us what this company might be about, uh, but maybe you can tell us in your own words uh, what Throw Me a Bone is. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having us on, guys. Yeah, um, Yeah, so Throw Me a Bone. That's us. We are a, what we like to call a one-touch solution for uh, your pet care needs. So uh, anything you might need for your dog or your cat, we are here to provide. So if it's dog walking, pet sitting, grooming, training, uh, you name it, service-related, uh, our model is to bring that service to you. So we are an in-home service provider in that regard. So in front of us, we have a, a couple of Italian guys who used to be in finance. <laughs> so finance guys who ended up starting a pet care company. So I, I know that you guys were working in finance. Actually, we started off in finance as well. We did. And in, in the same time around. Around the same time. Yeah. yeah. Bad times. Uh, <laughs> you were able to leave fairly quickly to, to get into the startup world. And you guys had a similar situation happen. So what happened in 2007, 2008 during the financial crisis for you guys? Well, um, doesn't seem like it'd be the best time to start a business, but we found ourselves in that in that position. You know, 2007, we were both working for a larger financial institution that uh, shut its doors. This was just ahead of when some of the other major banks uh, collapsed in 2008. So we sort of saw that coming, um, and that was a big part and played a big role in, in our decision whether we should jump back into the financial world or into Wall Street or go it alone and try something on our own. So uh, after a few, you know, we had the summer to think about this. We, we spent a lot of time together just because everybody else was working. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah. and there Adam and I were just kind of hanging out and throwing around ideas of what, on what we wanted to do next. And, um, you know, we recognized an opportunity in the pet service world simply because, um, I had a dog during that time that uh, my girlfriend, had, we were looking to put it in a doggy daycare we were told that we were going to have to wait three months to get this little guy into this doggy daycare. It was never really an idea that I realized until they told us that. And we, we thought, you know, wow, there must be some real demand for something like this. And so Adam and I, we discussed this some further. We realized how many folks in, in the city do have, have dogs and, and are working and, and need someone reliable to come in and provide that kind of a service for them. So we drafted up a business plan pretty quickly as we got excited about this opportunity. We saw there was a need in the marketplace. Um, you know, the, some of the, the, the clients we were dealing with in Wall Street, professional types, and New Yorkers tend to be professional types. So they like a service to be delivered in a certain way. And we thought, why not with pet care? Um, it was a bit, as Adam likes to call it, the Wild West back then. Um, and cue the Wild West music right now. But <laughs> that's, that's kind of how it was. You didn't know. It was a lot of independents that were out there. Um, there were some larger companies that had been doing it for a bit, but we thought that we can come in and not necessarily disrupt things, but give it a little bit of a different spin and bring it, bring a more professional feel to it. So throw me a bone was, was born out of that. So you guys were jobless that summer. And so it doesn't sound like this was just a way to make side money. You guys actually created a business plan. So you had the intent to to actually build this into a business. Is this something that you guys played around with before that you would start a company together? Or where did the desire, the idea to start a business even come from for you? Yeah, I, th I think it just, uh, like Mike was saying, we a, a light bulb went off when um, 
you know, Mike, Mike's now wife, uh, Halim, realized that there was such a demand. And so, you know, that waiting list for that one in particular um, doggy daycare facility, which may not even be in business any longer because the, the industry has changed so much in the past, uh, you know, 10, 11 years. Uh, but Mike and I, you know, I think we just hit it off as friends. And then we said, you know what, let's let's give this a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But let's let's put a 110 into it and and see what we can do. And so from there, we just started. We, we actually have a, a picture. I gave it to Mike uh, as, as his 40th birthday gift. Uh, a, a woman from England was uh, on vacation on holiday and walking around the Upper East Side and took some photos. And one of those photos was of these um you know, kind of you pull the tab at the bottom of the sheet that you'll see in the supermarkets. We were just taping those up around the Upper East Side on one cold uh, January day. We did it for the entire day, started heading back to our apartment on East 85th Street, and we started noticing that they were they were ripped down. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so we look at each other, we go, Who's, who the hell is doing this? We, we, you know, we, we start getting upset, and then we realized it was the... Um, the city it's illegal to, to to put those up so we learned that lesson the hard way but long story short we got our first client from a young lady who had a, a sweet little chihuahua named uh, uh lilabel <laughs> sweet sweet dog and and from there that was our, our first client and and we never looked back so how much time did you guys spend on the business plan and coming up with you know how you're gonna go to market uh, i guess what even your product offering would be to then executing on putting up these flyers and trying to get customers yeah great question it didn't take very long we were so naive and and just excited you know you know you hear take the emotion out of, there's no emotion in business you know take the feelings out of it we were emotional we, we had the feeling we were excited and uh and so we just we went in i would say probably two weeks uh, about two weeks worth of planning, and then we said, "Okay, let's let's give it a shot." Well, we did draft up a business plan for a, for an actual doggy daycare. You know, that was our initial concept. Um, you know, having seen what was going on with the daycare that that we were put on a waiting list for, we explored that opportunity to see, well, you know, what's it going to take. So we, we we did the whole business plan for that. Um, we actually met with some people that we knew that were already doing, that owned a pet store in the city that was quite popular, and they were looking to perhaps get into the space as well. Um, but we realized the capital needs to get something like that off the ground were beyond what we were going to be able to really come bring together and, and, and come up with. So I think we decided let's scale it back. We were still excited about the idea, but we knew now we weren't going to be able to just jump right in. There was a small barrier to entry into starting a brick and mortar, but not one that was so intense that we couldn't just start basic dog walking. And let's just see if we can start some dog walking, see if we can build a customer base, and then see if we like it, see if we're successful at it. But I think we knew from day one that we weren't just doing this as a way to scrap some pennies together or do as a hobby just to kill time. We knew we wanted to be one of the biggest in the city and we felt well heck if we can do this in new york and be successful in new york um this could means this could be very good for us down the road as far as scaling so that was it we you know like adam said we were that that winter 2000 uh was it 2008 i think we we spent the summer sort of drafting the business plan setting up meetings we pivoted to the to, to a different type of model that was easier to get into you know really bootstrapped it uh, it was just Adam and, and myself getting out there, hitting the streets, put up those flyers during the, the cold winter. And then, yeah, we, you know, we got our first client off of that. 
and then decided that we needed to find a faster way to to find clients and just then facebook was becoming a more popular thing you know he had his network i had mine so we said let's let's hit that um and let's see if we can ask some friends if they have friends that might need a dog walker and and that that did it for us i think right i mean from that we maybe got our first 10 or a dozen clients within a month mm-hmm. and before we knew it you know we were covering most of manhattan between the two of us you know we planted someone in the upper east side while the other person we called him the rover and he was going around to the other neighborhoods you know making sure we were hitting those appointments and word of mouth that's a big part of of this business i think any good service uh business relies on the on the word of mouth um and yeah before we knew it we had quite a sizable client base after that first year maybe 25 to 30 clients after that first year and then we needed to hire our, our first employee Wow, that's pretty cool. I like how you guys, you know, went through the business planning process uh, to sort of understand the landscape, understand the capital needs. You talk to people, you interviewed them. We always recommend that, you know, before jumping in, talk to experts in the industry and try to understand realistically what it will take to get off the ground. And that kind of helped you adjust course correct into something more manageable, still addressing the same pain, obviously, that there's an opportunity here for a pet care service uh, company to come in because there's just so much demand. And so you still uh, were addressing the same pain, but then we're doing it in a more scalable way. So when you, you did the flyers, which I think is awesome, going out in the cold, posting it, I mean, so a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So that's, the, that's kind of the first uh, example of how you guys are just willing to do the hard work. And uh, after you realized that was illegal, <laughs> you also adjusted and started reaching out to your network. And were you guys just messaging people manually on Facebook and independently? Uh, or did you send out like a mass message uh, to, to try to get at people? Uh, it was mass. You know, we just we I don't know how many friends I had at the time. But yeah, we just hit our our profiles and, and announced it to everybody we knew mm-hmm. and hoped that the network effect would would sort of kick in there. And it, it was cool to see that happen, you know, and, and now you look at the, the social media aspect and how, how important that is to so many businesses. And we realized that from a very early stage and not just social media, but just in our business as well. And, you know, email, you know, anybody we knew that could possibly have a dog that we lived in Manhattan, we, we hit them up. Um, and we found that to be very helpful in getting us sort of off the ground and, and having a good core group of clients to start working with. And then I remember we, we thought, well, let's, let's go meet as many doormen as we possibly could. You know? So we walked around and introduced ourselves, handed out some cards. And <laughs> these guys were probably like, oh, here's another dog walker coming in and introducing themselves. Yeah. But you know, we, every, everything that we could think of just to get our, our names out there and let them know. We started befriending a few of these guys and, and, and they sent some clients and some new clients our way and um but very grassroots yeah very you know grassroots. it was that's that's how it was definitely in, in the early days and then we tried the, the paper ads eventually um things like that but we didn't find that to be as effective as the more in-person you know um sort of uh, you know verbal communication with other people and it's like a babysitter, you know. I think dogs, pets these days are like people's kids. Mm. Um, they want to know that they're getting someone who maybe their neighbor or their friend used and recommends, and say, "You got to try these guys; they're fantastic. They take great care of, you know, of, of my dog." And um, and so I, th- I think we were able to benefit from that quite, quite a bit. 
I think that's great the way that you guys grew through grassroots efforts. We actually just published a, a we have an episode series called Five Minute Pick Me Up about the case for doing door to door sales. And a lot of successful entrepreneurs that we know, even if they have no sales experience, the first year they hit the streets and they learn the market intimately by talking to people, whether it's business to business or business to consumer, as you guys are. Um, and so, well, I guess B two B to C. If you're talking about the doormen, right? You're, they're getting you clients, they're referrers essentially. But nothing better than actually talking to people. How do you think, or why do you think you guys were able to attract a customer base? Given that, especially in a place like New York City, I don't know how it was in 2008, but at least now. There's a lot of dog walking services out there. There's a lot of individuals providing dog walking services. There's even websites now where you can book them, kind of like Airbnb, where you can just find somebody for like 30 bucks an hour or whatever. How do you think you guys were able to compete? Well, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I, I think we, we found the sweet spot in in that you have on, on one side of the spectrum, you have your... Uh, independent mom and pop operations where it may just be one person or, or two or three people uh, providing services. They're limited, right? It's a you know, limited number of employees, their, their availability, their flexibility. Then on the other side, you have now, especially with you know, the mobile app options, um, they have the number of uh, independent contractors or providers, but you, you lose that intimacy. And that that relationship, and I think most people that do treat their their pets like their children, they're looking for that that connection, that back and forth, that that relationship. Maybe having the same person coming day, you know, on a daily basis instead of having someone different sent in uh, all the time. So Mike and I, I think we found that that sweet spot in between those two, and then add on the the customer service and the the level of communication that we have with our clients that we we transitioned and took from our background working in finance. Um, and I think a, a lot of what happened was a lot of clients said, you know what, this is a great service for a number of reasons. Uh, we feel very comfortable with them. They, they really background check all of their employees, the training process. So I, I think Mike and I take our business in this particular industry a lot more seriously than, than a lot of others. And it, it, it comes through. Yeah, exactly. And I think there was, there was an element of relatability, so to speak, you know, with us having come from a, the professional background that we did and now providing a service to those same types of people. You know, I, I think we definitely liked championing our story, you know, and um, as two guys from Wall Street who were New Yorkers, you know, one Mets fan, one Yankees fan, and um, <laughs> sort of trying to already relate with with our customer base like that. And and it was it, it was great because we did we we met a lot of people doing this that we probably never would have met, you know, uh, high higher profile people that we would have never like met. <laughs> well, I don't know if we can say, but at this point, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our clients sting, you know, celebrities in, in the you know music world or, or finance world. Um, sting was a client of ours. Um, uh, Lloyd Blankfein, the, the CEO or ex-CEO mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. of, of Goldman Sachs. Mm -hmm. a, a few. Do you charge Sting more for dog walking <laughs> services than, uh, than the average person? We, we do not. We no, he got not. a sweet deal. He got a sweet deal. <laughs> and he had great dogs, two, two sweet dogs. Yeah. 
Um, Speaking of uh, pricing, I guess, how did you guys figure out what to charge uh, in the beginning? And, and even, I mean, now, uh, is it uh, as it's getting more competitive, I'm sure you have to kind of think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. Uh, yeah, I think like you were saying before, we we kind of learned as we went. You know, we we, we figured things out and and we fine tuned. We probably started out less expensive. You know, that was one of our um, you know strategies. strategies. You know, it was a, a way for us to get in undercutting the the average cost. Uh, and then you know, we over over the past several years, we've we've slowly increased those rates. Um, but I think we're still very competitively priced. Can you talk about the average customer and any kind of numbers that you can share with us? So how often do they use your service? How, how much does the average customer spend on the service between dog walking, grooming, whatever you guys do, let's say on a monthly basis? Our average customer is going to be someone who has a Monday through Friday job. Um, they're going to need generally one half hour or an hour walk in the middle part of the day. Um, and so... We have packages of walks that we provide, and um, it's a sort of like a subscription, but not quite in, in so much that they can purchase, if they know they're going to need us five times a week, um, they're going to be able to purchase a bulk amount of walks that'll cover them for about a month, you know, so we have like a 20-pack, let's say. Uh, that runs them around, you know, $380, you know, before taxes, and they get a little discount when you, when you buy in bulk like that. Um, and then it's just like an automatically renewing type of a situation. So if you know you're going to use us for three or more times a week, then you can qualify for one of these bulk packages, take advantage of the discount. Um, and then if you're going to do grooming once a month or overnight you know, stays that we provide, you know, I'd say the, the average customer could pay us about $500 or so a month. And, and you know, we've been very fortunate to meet people with puppies and grow with them over the years. So we still have clients who were puppy clients back in 2008 wow. who are still with us now, and we've watched their dog grow old like us. Um, <laughs> but we've had that solid relationship, and I think that's the coolest part about what we do is, like, in a lot of ways, we've become part of their family. Um, you know, Adam and I, we've we've been the mainstay, so those clients know they've always had us here, even though maybe sometimes their, their walkers would change over the years. But I think they took comfort knowing that he and I were still here. They have access to us. I think that was important for us, for our clients to know that, you know, they have access to us. And I think that's part of the value that we bring um, where there may be layers with other companies. You know, you have your customer service folks, but you don't necessarily have access to the owners. Um, And I think that's part of the, the, you know, the closer relationships and the, um, having that personal connection with, with our clients still to this day, even though we have hundreds and hundreds of clients now. Yeah. And it sounds like the switching costs, so to speak, for someone, once you have that trust, as you guys mentioned, uh, you're really not going to go to somebody else. I, I just got a dog last year. I have an adorable uh, mini poodle. Her name is Pumpkin. <laughs> Lil, Lil Pump, the CEO, for anyone that wants to check her out on Instagram. Awesome. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, there are very few people that I trust. There, are, I have one go-to couple that I ask to watch her whenever I need her watched, basically. Shout out, Dan and Ella. Thanks, Dan and Ella, for watching Pumpkin. <laughs> and also, I watch Pumpkin uh, whenever I can as well. Uh, I love her. She's, yeah. she, I, I am her true uncle. <laughs> They're the godparents. We, 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 we love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. The trust component is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's why you guys have customers that uh, stay with you for, for 10 years. Um, do you remember 
how much you guys made that first year in business. I think you said you got about 20 or 30 customers that year through the grassroots efforts that you had. Yeah, that's a good question. That is but, a good question, yeah. But uh, just going back on the last one, we, we do have a very low churn rate. Mm. So, um, and we pride ourselves on that for sure. Do you know what the average churn is for the industry? Uh, no, okay. I don't. I don't question. know if those yeah. numbers. It, it may still be such a fragmented in- industry that you know that data isn't isn't quite out there. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. You know, unlike a suburb where people live in their homes for several several years, you know, people tend to move a little bit more in the city centers, obviously. But what's been a beautiful thing is that people who may have we may have serviced them down in the East Village and then moved to the Upper West Side remained our client even though they changed neighborhoods you know and and um so that that's been cool so as far as any potential churn rate that we may experience um it hasn't been as significant as maybe it could be if if you were a different type of a service i think or if you did if you were a company that didn't have the ability to transfer to another neighborhood like like we do but to answer your question i, I would say probably under a hundred thousand we made in the first year mm-hmm. and that was with 20 or 30 customers you would say recurring uh roughly yeah roughly it was probably about yeah 20 or 30 that we had that first year mm-hmm. that's substantial enough to to want to keep working at it where you guys saw the opportunity that you made some money there but you know you went from that to now you're at about 45 employees you told us in the pre-interview that is a fairly substantial growth, I would say, uh, 10 years in the making. But still, how do you think you were able to get to that? I mean, was it really mostly word of mouth and sort of your own direct outreach efforts? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. We, you know, as we expanded, we would bring on new new employees and we'd build up a new route. Uh, it was, you know, we definitely had a strategy that we, we stuck to and it, it worked for us. And then it was partnerships. We started partnering with concierge services, uh, the luxury hotels, um, and then just you know property management groups. And I think that was uh, a strategy that nobody else had at the time. Uh, so you, you fast forward a few years, and you know we we increased to twenty to thirty employees. And then as we built up specific territories within Manhattan, uh, we we had the need to double up in certain territories. And so that's where we went from maybe just one employee on the Upper East Side to two or three, and and likewise in, in other neighborhoods. I'm curious, uh, with 45 employees or so now, how many customers are you handling? Uh, on, on, a, on a regular basis, you know, around 150 north north of, a, of a, probably 150, two, 200. It's 200 services a day we're doing. Oh, wow. wow. 200 services a day. And just to uh, understand sort of the opportunity to landscape, do you guys know in terms of the market size how many dog owners there are in the city? You know, it's it's hard because you can only measure that based off of folks who actually register their dogs. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll jump on to you know the city websites to see if we can capture some kind of demographic on on, on that number. And it's you and know, it, it yeah it's it's pretty significant actually. Yeah. Um, I'd say about four hundred thousand dogs yeah, registered. You know, so you, you could easily double that. Uh, and so with this strategy of partnerships, which sounds like a a pretty brilliant strategy. Was it still sort of the, the door-to-door, hey, I'm going to go to a hotel and try to talk to a concierge there? Or how did you get their attention and what did you say to them? I think for all you entrepreneurs out there, you know, whenever there's a potential opportunity, um, jump jump on it, you know, because you never know what that might do to your business down the road. And so in this, you know, and, and it, luck is great. So if you ever have a lucky break, jump on it and make the most out of it because you may never get that lucky break again. And timing and place it all comes together so in this situation 2008 you know economy was really bad 
hotels were struggling. It just so happened that uh, my brother was working for one of these, uh, you know, five-star hotels uh, in Midtown. Um, and hotels previous to this time were not pet friendly. So you couldn't come in with your dog if you wanted to. Um, but because of what was happening, hotels were struggling. They tried to pivot themselves and started opening their doors to allow pets in. And they, they had a pet policy. And some of them even took it to the extent where they provided doggy beds, bowls, even some of them provide food. But then naturally, who was going to come in and provide these services? So they weren't. that was out of their purview. They weren't going to be able to do that. Um, so it just so happened my brother was working at one of these hotels at the time. And they were asking, you know, just he overheard and said, hey, you know, my my brother and and his buddy Adam just started this awesome company and they hired us to come in. And our very first client was, uh, I don't know if it was a Saudi prince of some kind (laughs) that he came in with his huge entourage, had like three or four dogs with him and they needed someone to come in and escort their, basically take care of their dogs during the day escort them to the groomer, that sort of thing. So that was our first job with the hotels. And it went really, really well. Um, and so the, the hotel was very excited about it. They continued to use us. Then we got the introductions to other concierges, other, you know, and at the time we didn't realize there were concierges beyond just the hotels, but there's also residential concierges. And um, so we, we, thankfully we have a, we were experiencing networking just from being in Wall Street. So we utilize those skills as well as to the best of our abilities. And, and we got to, to meet and get in front of some, some important people in that industry. And they loved what we were doing and what we were about. Um, you know, we put together little presentations where we go and stand and kind of talk about the services and how we can help them. And uh, yeah, from there, it sort of really helped our business explode because um, we brought on a lot more hotels that needed this service and needed a reputable and responsible, reliable company to come in. Um, so we were able to deliver that to them. And that was, you know, kind of on demand. You know, it was a little bit different than what we were used to. That was like call you up at nine o'clock at night and says, I, I need a dog walker here in an hour. And so it was either Adam or myself that were running there to do that. Uh, but that was to show them the commitment that we had to these relationships. And, and I think that really helped us. Um, and from there, you know, we got to, to meet some of these other property managers as well. You know, it was all became sort of like the same networks. And we just seized every opportunity we, we could kind of talking about how it's always about the value proposition and how we can help whether it was a hotel or whether it was a new property that was going up, how we could help deliver our services to their residents, which was always a very high demand service. And it's continued to grow and become so over, over the years. When you when you do value type selling in this situation, what, what value statements uh, make the most impact? Is it, hey, you're going to get more, let's say as a hotel, you're going to get more people to book stays at the hotel that have dogs that otherwise would not ever stay with you. So more revenue, is it what, how else do you sort of build in the value? Yeah. And, and probably more than anything, it's the commission that we'll pay them, mm-hmm. you know, because this is really the, the concierge that we're working with directly. Um, but to answer that question with our partnerships with uh, the developers where we've we've pivoted and I don't know if I'm jumping to this one but uh, jumping ahead but when we've partnered with developers and we've put full service pet care facilities in their properties that that is the value proposition we're going to uh, help increase you know the the um, 
you know, the, the time for you to, to fully occupy the building. Uh, we're going to help increase your retention rate because like we were just saying before, when you find a pet service that you trust and you use and they're in your building, then that's more likely than not, you're probably going to stay in that building at least another year or two longer than you would have if, you know, you had the opportunity to move somewhere else. Um, so um, that that's that's the value proposition. But there. also helping them realize that, you know, for the longest time, um, pet owning, the, the pet owning demographic was sort of put aside uh, by a lot of different buildings. The, the, there were a lot of buildings that didn't allow you to come in. If you had a dog, that made your choice of where you could live somewhat more limited, right? Because dog, there just no dogs were allowed. Um, we've seen that change quite drastically now, just in the time that we've been doing this. But I think also too, not just the hotels, but these developers realize that the pet owning demographic is actually a very strong demographic for them, you know. And um, these are the same folks who maybe don't own dogs, but now have a built-in incentive to maybe stay, come to their building because there's a service like what we provide there, and maybe stay a little bit longer and then the convenience and yeah and yeah. that that's the biggest thing you know in home was was a big was still the core of our business mm-hmm. is delivering the services to a busy new yorker who's got a long day at work um you don't have to be home for any of these things we can come and do the grooming in your home we can do overnight stays if you need to travel and your dog's a bit anxious about going to a boarding facility well we can provide another nice option and have one of our sitters perhaps your walker who you already know come stay at your place with your dog while you're away but it was convenience it was always to you know you know try to be available whenever someone needed it and then be as convenient as we possibly could so they didn't have to think too much about booking services they knew they had throw me a bone who's gonna be reliable they're gonna come in take good care of their pets so let's talk about that pivot, as you mentioned. Uh, it sounds like pretty early on, you know, you were doing the reaching out to your own network. You were growing through word of mouth. Obviously, as you established trust and focused on customer service uh, through your brother, you were able to now start meeting with uh, concierge services, uh, hotels, and essentially pay them commission as a referral uh, to get in there. And then now uh, you guys actually have full amenity spaces, right, that you create with these property managers. So when sort of did that first opportunity come about and how has it been growing since then? Uh, so we first meeting that we had with the original developer was probably mid-2016 and uh, or actually probably early, early 2016. The process took about a full year to uh, from from that first meeting to when we actually opened for business the the finished amenity space uh, that was January of 17. Uh, so here we are coming up on almost two years since since that original space and we have we're we're about to open our seventh uh, location which is in in Long Island City oh, wow. uh, hopefully yeah hopefully by the end of the year but that that's what's what's exciting for Mike and I is that you know like like we said earlier where we started but now not only have we pivoted to this new partnership model on-site full-service pet care facilities which we sort of had that vision from the get-go and it was it was great to kind of see it come you know to full view what's the word fruition fruition thank you (laughs) thank you guys um and then to see the growth just within less than two years uh, where we have a facility that that mike oversees in brooklyn so we we that was the first time we branched out of manhattan and then now to be um kind of reaching uh reaching into uh queens so to have manhattan brooklyn and queens 
um, that that's exciting for us because that's that's, that's real expansion in, in a single market. But um, there's they're just we always say there's so many dogs to go around in, in this town that we, we could just continue to expand right here and not not even look at other markets if, if we so chose to. And so in this case, do the real estate developers, do they build out the space, the facilities, do they pay for all of that? Do you guys have to pay rent? How does that work? That's, that's a good question. Uh, yes to all of those. Um, you know, each relationship is, is structured a little bit differently. It really all depends on what stage are we getting into this with them. You know, we've, we've had a couple where it was just a kind of, you know, there was the building wasn't even completed yet. They were still working out the floor plans and oh, we can maybe put something here, we can maybe put something there. So the, the way we've been able to structure these agreements have, have worked well for the type of model that it is. You know, we're able to operate very in a very lean way. Cost to be in that space for us is is limited. Is very limited. You know, we made sure that that was an, an important facet of this for us to be able to succeed in the way because it's not like some of these other larger um, facilities that are in Manhattan um, that require quite a bit of space. You know, we we found a, a way to be able to do this with limited space, but still provide a really nice service for the residents there and also a value-add amenity for the developers at a low cost to them. You know, so they they will, it's they, they do build it out for us. We help them through that process, you know, so... We don't just come in and occupy the space, but we are also there as advisors, so we consult with them on all the different kind of equipment they're going to need, from the flooring um, to the tiling, you know, soup to nuts, really. We, we're there with them because most of them don't really know exactly what, what needs to go into these facilities to make them operate the right way. So um, so we're there with them, and that, that comes as part of just the relationship that we have and, and the contracts and agreements that we have set up with them. You know, they get that at no cost cost to them for us to come in and do that. Now, um, as this is becoming, I guess, a bigger customer acquisition channel for you guys, how are you sort of building out more and more of these relationships? Is it just kind of, again, through your network and asking for referrals? Are you actually proactively doing outreach as well to meet with new real estate developers? What's the process there? So we're, we're not outreach. There's no outreach as of right now. Uh, I think we've, for, for Mike and I and our current team, our current management team, I think we're, we're very uh, pleased with where we are with the number of, of projects that we have. Uh, I think the goal for us is to uh, just focus on, on what we have, uh, allow them to mature, because there, there's a maturation period uh, for each of these properties where it takes, it takes X amount of time for one, the buildings to fully occupy, and then for us to get to the, for the building to mature to a point where the number of dog residents are what what start hitting our projections and and where where we need to be, so so that's exciting because mo- most of them are just about getting to that point if haven't been there already, haven't haven't gotten there already, so no no new projects on the uh, you know other yeah other than the Long Island the- City right now I think we want to it's such a new concept that there's not a whole lot of data out there, you know, and a lot of times you go into these meetings and they want to know right away, well, how many people are using it, you know, and for how long and what are they using it for? And a lot of times we had to say, 
we don't really know. You know, you guys are you guys are at the forefront of this new concept. So and as are we. And so we're going to grow this together, but we won't be able to supply that data until we've been able to do this at least a year or two years. And that's when we talk to them, we're looking for agreements that are, are at least that long. So we have time to really get ourselves established, see the first round and cycle of, of turnover happen, see what that does and how that impacts. Thankfully, it's actually helped us grow. Um, you know, we find that the early, the first year tends to be more incentive driven. So the folks that are coming in know they're only going to be there for that first year. And then you start to get the more, you know, um, uh, residents who are ready to stay for a while after that first year. And we're starting to see that now in in some of those older facilities, older being, you know, the ones that the first two that we opened up. Um, so that, that's exciting because I think now we're really going to start to, to, to see the fruits of, of this concept sort of bear itself. And, and then we're going to be able to speak with different developers and, and really provide them the hard data. I'm like, look, this is, you might have a pool that's only getting used a fraction of the, the, the time that this actual space, you know, you're, you're getting more value out of this space than maybe a huge basketball court that you just put in or a, a huge pool, you know? And I think that's what they care about because now these, these, these new developers, they're committing a, a huge amount of square footage and rents are based off of every tiny inch that they're they're utilizing so they want to know they're extracting as much value as they can and and we feel like we're able to provide them with an opportunity to do that with this kind of a concept so we'll we'll see and i think the next year is going to be exciting once long on city has has gotten itself started and that'll be our seventh facility and by the end of next year we'll have seven of these going at full blast and and we'll really get a sense of what's going on and we're already seeing developers that we're working with they want to talk to us about future projects that they have coming in the pipeline so that's how we sort of are now identifying our growth path you know and how we're going to continue this concept down the road and maybe scale beyond new york's market and into other cities um so we've been in some loose discussions about other markets in that way that's great. You know, I love this story because it started off as, I mean, obviously you guys wanted to build a real business, but in the beginning it's like, okay, we got, we're leaving finance. We have to replace our income. So maybe more of a lifestyle business. You quickly understood the opportunity of the market and the size of it. I mean, almost a million dogs. That's a lot, <laughs> or at least that's what it might be close to. And then you kind of uh, went from there and took on every opportunity that you could. And now you have multiple customer acquisition channels and it looks like you guys are continuing to grow. You know, I think the fact that you guys uh, are focusing on having well-trained employees, the background checks, uh, it really established that trust. I know when we were trying to schedule this interview, you guys couldn't come in because you were holding an employee training, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, For what was this batch? How many employees did you hire in this batch? This was just one, but you know, we... In the past few weeks, so we've probably hired four or five. Yeah. We like to be as hands-on as as we possibly can, even this far down the road. I think it's important, you know, and um, it's very easy to maybe set up levels of middle management and separate you from your staff. But for what we do, it's important that we're still very much engaged. So yeah, yeah, that's what was happening. Yeah. Well, and a few big takeaways for me is, you know, one thing you said in the beginning, Adam, is um, that you kind of acted on emotion. And even though you're not supposed to have emotion in business, the reality is that we're human and you would never sign up for something as hard as this if it wasn't some sort of emotional connection that you had to the idea, to the insight. Uh, And so... Uh, I think that's important. I think being aware, though, of what the market needs and adapting your strategy. You guys took a little bit of a path of least resistance by starting a simpler service that you that was less capital intensive. 
And then you got these opportunities that you saw just by doing things. Like you were running the business. If you weren't running the business for a year or two years, you would never see the opportunity with concierges. You would never see the opportunity with real estate developers. It's not like something you could dream up right away and execute on immediately. It took time to get to that point. And for anybody listening, um, if you're interested in starting some sort of business or a particular service, solving a specific problem, don't worry about the big, big vision that you have. Start with something that you can actually deliver right away and that's going to get you to that big vision and you guys are a testament to that. So where Thank can... You. Yeah, of course. So where can our New York City listeners find you guys? The ones with the pups, puppies, <laughs> I guess. The puppies, cats. cats, we do it all. Um, throwmeabone.nyc is our website. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check us out there, see our full services of uh, full list of services and, and rates, uh, areas that we provide services. You can check out our Instagram, uh, Throw Me a Bone NYC is our handle there. We have some pretty awesome shots of, of, cute of dog, cute, lots of <laughs> cute pups, some good, uh, our, one of our managers, Sarah, she's, she's great, she's she manages fantastic. that for us, and yeah. oh, she, she puts very the clever, captions, yeah, very she clever puts the with captions, the captions so we, we get a oh, kick out of that every get day. Three new followers, but yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and Pumpkin. Well, how many <laughs> followers does Pumpkin have now? I'm expecting exclusive access to your uh, Snapchat channel as well to see the cutest pups. Uh, that's just for us as the hosts. That sounds great. But just going off of what you just said, I, I couldn't agree more. It's just start, take that first step, and then the other part of it is just patience. Just giving giving it the time to really come around and just when you think it's it's not going to get there, stick it, you know, stay in it, stay strong, and just give it that time. And, and eventually you'll mm-hmm. you'll get there. And and if you don't, you know, then you have to reevaluate and look at what you're doing and what maybe you could be doing differently or be doing better or smarter. Um, but and always self reflection, not only on yourself but on your business. And um, look, look at you know, is, are your employees happy? You know, are is your is your is your team doing something that you don't want them to do? And if they are, why is that? You know, so everything starts with you as the the owner or the founder of the company, and just um, just just be as honest and, and truthful with yourself as you possibly can be. That's great advice, and especially I love the first part. You know, you have to kind of just continue going through it and be patient. And a lot of people, unfortunately, give up too early before seeing something come to fruition. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. So, Mike and Adam, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you for having us, guys. And it's the mentors with Throw Me Alone signing off.